severely messed Artists like their boots are torn to shreds The government will spoil your hopes and dreams By offering a useless retreat and scheme There's such amazing talent, why can't you see That the government has decimated the industry And now the years of hard work have been thrown away Just get a real job Hello and welcome back to Just Get A Real Job, the podcast where we speak to emerging creatives and creatives alike from across the creative industries. I'm of course your host, Jamie McKinley, and we got a very, very action-packed episode in store for you today. I was joined by the majority of F-Bomb Theatre and the team behind. The Beatles were a boy band, which is a new Fringe show coming very, very soon from F1 Theatre, and that's going to be on next month at the Fringe. We talked at depth about this show. But on the panel of this week's episode, it was quite busy. There was four guests, including actors Sally Cairns, Lindsay Devers, Kirsten Hutchison, and they are all founding members of F-Bomb as well. And returning to the podcast for a second time as well was Rachel O'Regan, who is, of course, a writer. She was on episode 49 of Just Get A Real Job last year at The Fringe to promote After Party, which was a great play and F-Bomb's sort of production they did last year. So their new production, The Beatles Were a Boy Band, of course, that's going to be out next month, which is very exciting. Um, can't wait to see that. And we had a great chat about the show, about taking a show to The Fringe in general. It was a really, really fun conversation to have. Total different energy to usual as well, just being such a busy panel. I very much enjoyed chatting to the four of them and they're doing a great job at F-Bomb Theatre. So there's a link in the show notes to their show. They're going to speak about it at great lengths this afternoon or this morning or whenever you're listening to this podcast, whatever time of day, you might even be listening to it after the fringe has passed. So who knows? But I'm sure you're going to enjoy it. I'm sure you're going to get a lot out of it. But I've also got some very exciting news to share before we get into today's episode. And this is the sort of first time I'm, I'm announcing this. I'm hoping to have the posters and things ready later in the week so there'll be a wider announcement. But of course, we did a live show last year at the Edinburgh Youth Film Foundation, and it was an amazing experience. We spoke to Andy Rovmey and Sarah Vickers, who are both highly acclaimed Scottish actors. Be sure to go back and listen to that episode as well. It was a really good one. But this year, and this was sort of an, something we wanted to do last year, but I'm, I'm thrilled to announce that we're going to be taking the podcast to the Free Fringe, and we're going to be playing free nights. We're doing free live shows, and we've got some brilliant guest book. We've got a brilliant time slot as well. So here we go. Here's the announcement. So we are going to be playing at the Voodoo Rooms, a live podcast in the French Quarter, at 20 past 7 on the 10th of August the 17th of August and the 24th of August and it's free so you don't have to pay a penny you can just come along enjoy the podcast live we'd love to see you down there it's going to be a great night for me such a special moment as well considering we started this on Zoom two years ago nearly it's going to be really special PBH Free Fringe great organisation as well I'd love to see as many people there as possible the first show we're going to be speaking to two previous guests Sylvie and Brown Bear or Matt and Jodie are their real names both lovely people who have become friendly with since doing the podcast they're both amazing musicians so that's going to be a sort of deep dive into the Scottish music scene. It'll be a nice chat with them. The second show, we're going to be joined by Susie and Shirley from Black Scott Pod, which is an amazing Scottish podcast that celebrates black voices. It's a really big podcast as well. They're doing amazing work and it'll be a great joy to sort of have them on the podcast and speak to them in front of a crowd. So I'm really excited to have them for the second show on the 17th of August. And the last show we're doing is on the 24th of August. And I'm really, really excited for this one. I think this one's going to be very special. It's going to be a sort of look into the real truth and reality of being an emerging creative is sort 
that are going to be the theme of this show. We're going to be joined by Rebecca Riddle, Joel O'Neill, and Jasmine Gleason, who is a comedian. And all three of them have been on the podcast before. They're all three people I've made, I've become friends with since doing the podcast. It's going to be really special to sort of be together in real life because that's never happened before. Especially Rebecca and Joel, who have both got podcasts of their own and who have been on their podcast and, and genuinely become very good friends with both. So it's going to be really special to have all them in one room. So that's going to be the last show. So there you go. That's the three shows we're doing. If you're able to come along, if you're in the Fringe, if you're in Edinburgh, please come along. They'll obviously be released as episodes after. Never done anything like this in my life. Very, very nervous, but it's going to be really exciting and I hope to see as many of you there as possible. I'll, I'll be mentioning this every podcast for the next few weeks before the shows. Hoping to have the posters ready later in the week with more information, but yeah, very exciting times. Anyway, quite a long intro. It's a busy episode. I'll stop rambling on. I hope you enjoy this week's episode with F-Bomb Theatre, an amazing bunch of people, very, very positive as well. Anyway, without much further ado, episode 85 of Just Get A Real Job with F-Bomb Theatre. Enjoy. Hello everyone, good evening. Thank you for, for coming on and chatting to me on this fine Thursday night in July. I'm basically joined by a lot of F-bomb theatre. We've got the entire cast of The Beatles Are A Boy Band. And then we obviously have the writer herself, Rachel, who's back on the podcast for a second time as well, So, which is always lovely to have a guest back. So I don't know, do you just want to all introduce yourself one at a time? We can start with you, Rachel, since you're a returning guest and just sort of remind our listeners a bit about you and just, you know, what your roles are in this project and stuff. But it's, it's lovely to do a podcast like this. Yeah, so I'm Rachel, Rachel O'Regan, and I am a playwright, theatre maker, and yeah, I'm working again with F-Bomb Theatre, which is very exciting. Yeah, I was listening back to our episode that we did, like I was just saying to you off air, like, I, almost a year ago which is mental and it's just so weird like hearing we're still kind of more pandemic-y back then things are like locked down and you're just about to do after party so it's just it's lovely to have you back on the set but it's, it's like mental how much has changed in the year so are you excited to be back at the fringe again like are you excited yes I don't know if excited is the word more like terrified but also yeah I mean excited for sure definitely anyway I'll let the rest of you introduce I apologize I like how I said I let you all do that and then I'm just <laughs> <laughs> but Kirsten, would you like to introduce yourself properly? Yeah. So I'm Kirsten, Kirsten Hutchison. I feel like we all need to do our first name and then other second yeah, name, yeah, just yeah. the professionalism of it. <laughs> yeah, so I am an actor in F-Bomb Theatre, as well as a co-founder of the company. And I would say, similarly to Rachel, I am excited, terrified, very, you know, kind of mixed emotions for, for this show. But I feel like the overall, like I think we are we're all like obviously we have nerves. We have, yeah, like kind of, oh, we don't really know like how it's going to be. Cause our last fringe was very pandemic-y. It was you couldn't even walk in on shows. F bomb haven't really had, you know, like a classic fringe yet. So I think this one, I mean I hope this one is the one for us. It's uh, it's going to be like really good. I do I do think that, but obviously, like I said, kind of all fair as well, Jamie. There is an element of you just feel that responsibility yeah. of like, oh, I really hope I don't regret saying this two months from now, saying it's all going to be fine, and then I forget everything. No, I'm, sh- I'm sure it, I'm sure it'll be great. I mean, I saw After Party last year. I loved it, and you thought you were great. And I'm you know I'm sure this. I'm I'm very much looking forward to seeing this year's show as well but do you want to introduce yourself as well Lindsay well if you're so you can do your surname and everything make it all professional you know it's a podcast after all <laughs> hi I'm Lindsay Lindsay Devers and I'm one of the actors and co-founders of F-Bomb and yeah basically sounding like a broken record we're just so excited and so nervous for this fringe but it's already become some like F-Bomb in general it's just it's been so special for us that I just think that is the overarching emotion is just 
being kind of in awe of how supportive everybody's been. So that's what I'm focusing on. <laughs> is how nice everyone is about it so it's, it's really exciting yeah. I'm sure it's, it's gonna be great I mean you're all nervous but I mean that's it's that time isn't it the last month up run up is always like I mean we're taking the podcast to the fringe well for three nights I'm pretty nervous about it I've not even booked all the guests yet it's you know it's that point of the of the year so I think everyone's in the same boat uh, but last up Sally do you want to introduce yourself to our listeners yeah so my name is Sally Cairns I'm actor and co-founder of F-Bomb as well and yeah just sort of echoing what the girls were all saying I mean we're we're so excited for this fringe but also it comes with a lot of pressure as well last year we didn't have as much pressure because we were a sort of we were just debuting our show last year and because we we're still a student theatre company we kind of we were sort of funded by the university last year for example so financially we didn't have a lot of pressure mm. we also we sold out our run before the fringe actually started last year and then because of covid and things like that more tickets were then released later on as capacities were able to get a little bit bigger and things like that so i definitely think this year comes with a bit more pressure because I, for all last year we were still sort of it was very pandemic-y and things like that we were nervous about covid but i think last year was a great year for us to debut our show because it was a much smaller fringe so it was it allowed smaller companies or starting companies like ourselves to sort of come to the forefront a little bit more and that's kind of probably definitely why last year was a success whereas this year it's like oh we're back to full fringe it's a lot busier it's a much more sort of saturated market this year so it's very it's exciting but also there's a lot more pressure yeah but I'm sure it's pressure in a good way but that's really exciting I actually think after probably maybe the first show I saw after the pandemic is all the first proper bit of theatre so after the pandemic the first one back as well which I just remembered so that's like a nice little just throw that fact in there as well but I thought a good place to start because you're kind of you touched on it there Sally about how you were a theatre uh, you were a student sort of theatre company when you did the Fringe last year so I kind of thought it'd be interesting to ask about what the difference has been this year taking it there not in that way and like the Fringe sort of almost being normal again so Rachel if you just go we're well, just for the same order again we can start with you if that's cool I think the biggest difference is that if we don't sell enough tickets we'll be in massive debt <laughs> I'm sure you will everyone listens to this going to buy a ticket it's going to be all great they're going to plug it it's going to be good please Please come. Yes. So we don't have that sort of backup of the university, I suppose. But we have a massive venue this year that I don't think we would have been able to have if we were, you know, still attached to a school. So that's very exciting. And like we've had to basically produce it all ourselves. So it's been a massive learning curve for all of us. And yeah, lots of meetings and emails and things that I didn't even know we had to do, like insurance. (laughs) But that is, that's all part of it. And I feel like every year that we continue to do this, we'll just become, you know, older and wiser. But yeah. (laughs) No, thank you. Kirsten, what about yourself? What's the difference been like for you this year? Like, as obviously not being a student and taking it there in that capacity? Yeah, I think like, as an actor and, you know, as a, a character within F-Bomb, you know, like we are the same characters that we played last year. That's not kind of the route we wanted to go down this year. We want to keep the same like vision and the same, you know, ethos that F-Bomb has, which primarily is giving women a voice within mm-hmm. within theatre, within stories, within stage time, etc. But basically what I think the biggest shift for me this year has been the kind of maturity that has come with this piece because the Beatles were a boy band is 
as fun and as exciting as after party in that sense and the writing is as you know new and and interesting but we're not watching teenagers this time you know we're we're watching real women on the stage that you could probably relate to you know Kirsten, Sally, Lindsay, Rachel our, our director Amy you know the conversations are much more probably that we're having in the rehearsal room are much more related to our lives right now and not thinking maybe last year going oh what would we like when we were 17, 16 mm. you know so that's really nice to, to have relevant conversations but also sometimes like I think what I'm quite bad for sometimes in the rehearsal room I'm like right let's stay on track like I want to make sure we're doing this doing that like I'm quite like structured in that sense you know but it's also really important I think to have those conversations you know just about how have you felt walking home how have you felt within a nightclub like you know just so that we can actually use that for our character work so yeah, big, big shift this year, but like in a good way. Brilliant. Thank you very much for answering that. And Lindsay, have you felt the same? Have you, have you found it like a bit more adult going back? I mean, obviously it's been a year, so you're all, everyone's a bit older and as Rachel said earlier, wiser, I imagine. But like, how have you found the process this year? I think I definitely agree. I feel that there has been a shift in maturity for us and like, especially because of the difference in the age of the characters like Kirsten was saying. But also I feel like compared to last year, because we had deadlines, because it was a uni project essentially now it's felt a lot more like it's driven by the the want to do it Mm -hmm. rather than we have to do this to pass our degree and that's been a really nice shift because sometimes when things are a little bit stressful like obviously like Rachel was saying we've had to do all these things that we've never done before in a business sense and so whenever things get a bit stressful it's nice to just be able to think well actually we're all here because we want to be here and we're all here because we're passionate about the ethos of the company and the message of the play so I think that's been the nicest thing for me is that shift but not to say that I didn't want to do it last time (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's I yeah I'm really enjoying that part of it no it's really exciting how about yourself Sally have you have you felt the same and I also apologize you have to answer these last sometimes I feel like it might be annoying having to wait to get your turn so we can maybe change the order up later on won't leave you last every time I promise no don't worry it gives me a chance to think of our answer and things so that's <laughs> that's works fine no I think in terms of sort of doing a more mature piece for me it's actually it's really refreshing I think a lot of the time and well a big reason that we formed F-Bomb in the first place was that we wanted dynamic and complex female roles to play a lot of the time in plays or musicals or you know just theatre in general a lot of the female roles out there can be quite one-dimensional or there may be romantic kind of they only serve sort of a purpose to the plot because there are a romantic interest of like a man or something like that and so in terms of this piece I'm sort of playing someone because I'm 25 and we're playing women in their sort of mid-20s and it's actually really nice because I have never played a woman in their mid-20s before I've either played a teenager or like I say a young romantic lead that maybe the playing age is like late teens to early 20s or maybe you play someone like much older than yourself whereas I don't think there's like enough roles out there for just you know your average woman in their maybe mid-20s late 20s 30s that kind of thing it's either a lot Mm. of the roles are like I say romantic leads or you're playing a mother or you're playing sort of a wacky character part or something like that so it's really nice to whilst after party was great and 
it absolutely was great to connect sort of to our teenage selves in a way playing these 17 year old characters but I think it's great to play characters that are in their sort of mid-20s this year as well because it's actually something that I personally haven't been able to do a lot of in the past so yeah it's great. No that's lovely and it must be nice I mean as you always sort of say and getting to sort of play characters and you be the same age as them because I never really thought about that the fact that in After Party you were obviously all playing teenagers and obviously for Rachel like writing characters that are teenagers it must be nicer to write characters closer to the age you're at that's a really interesting I'm going to quickly go off from the play and the fringe altogether. and obviously I mean I've asked Rachel this question before but a question we always ask on the podcast is people's favourite word and phrase so Rachel you can change your answer this year if you like so I think last year you gave I asked you for an Australian one and a Scottish one I think you said crikey for the Australian one I can't remember what the the other one was so you could even say the same thing I wouldn't even know so it's all good but Sally you can go first this time since you've been last last sorry to put you on the spot like that but do you have like a favorite Scottish word or phrase that you really like where you're maybe from or just something that you really like the sound of oh god that's actually that's a really hard um, for this one question I'm like oh no I hope it doesn't change the order there's just so there's so many Scottish Mm. words out there isn't it there's just so so many that sounds rubbish right but I feel like it makes it's the it's a Glaswegian accent behind this word that makes it sound better right so I say the word and you you girls will know do you not think I say brilliant all the time right so I'm always like I'll say and some things aren't even that brilliant because you can be using brilliant in the sense of like oh my god that's brilliant like I'm so happy that that happened or you can be like oh brilliant now my my car's broke down. Do you know what I mean? So brilliant is my, my word. A phrase is a hard one. Um I mean it can be either or to be fair, like don't worry. Uh, I mean I just sort of like you know, to get word I do like to use though. I do like to use it's not Scottish, but I like to use the word moist because everyone hates the word moist. <laughs> so see I just I guarantee there'll be listeners who heard you even say that word on this and they'll like be like that. Uh, you know, they'll be recoiling. I just feeling a bit it's quite clammy outside, it's quite moist. <laughs> you know, like, ah, Oh my god! There you go. Have you had a chance to think of one, Sally? Or joined to come back later? Come back to me. Come back to him. I'm, I'm thinking still. Come back to me. <laughs> Lindsay, have you got a word handy that you can chuck in? I think it's quite boring, but my favourite Scottish word is just no. Like, just when when people say something, I've my I have such a poor sense of humour. Like my sense of humour <laughs> is that it's just awful and so like if somebody asks you to do something like oh can you pass me a pencil you go no like I don't that's not funny but to me it is so there's the word no that's a good I don't think anyone's ever said that on the podcast before as a Scottish or or brilliant no I mean I think is I I quite like the simplicity of it so you know we can have it you're good Rachel do you have an have you in the last year changed you know any Australian words you'd thought of but that you might enjoy more than crikey I mean you can keep crikey as your answer you you did submit it last time I don't even remember what I said (laughs) I think my favourite Scottish word right now is juice because everyone just calls everything juice. And it I love it. Like, I'm so good, really isn't it? healthy, like all the time. Yeah. No, like, I'm, I'm just having a juice and it's like, <laughs> that's not juice. <laughs> I, I really ironically love saying like no in a very Australian accent. Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess that's like the counterpart to what Lindsay was saying. That's, that, uh, fair enough. Listen, go for it. Go for it. Juice is a good one, though. Like, I, I hate when like, people in England, though, it's just they don't get it. My girlfriend's from England. She's always like, what do you mean you're having juice? And I'm like, that's just what everything is. Everything that's drinkable in Scotland it is juice. Like, well, everything that's juice is juice. Jamie, does she say do, um, squash? She doesn't. She's never, in front of me, she maybe just knows better, but she never like said, <laughs> that word she probably knows she'll get slagged for saying it but yeah. if she did you know give me 
maybe the echoey bit. I think that worked you know? quite <laughs> recently. <laughs> Sally, have you had a chance yet? You ended up being last after all, so it's fine. It's, I, I know. Maybe just... we should just keep that order because clearly yeah. I just can't think on the spot as fast. But I don't know if this counts because I actually don't know if it's a well-known Scottish phrase or whether it's kind of something just my family say. But it only really works in a Scottish accent, so I feel like it counts. So basically, if you ever can't afford a holiday or you're not going on holiday this year or anything like that we would always be like oh I'm going to Hamildamey and everyone will be like where's Hamildamey and it's Ham will me, so home will do me because I can't afford the holiday or something. So it's ham- you're going to Ham will do me, so you're just staying at home basically. I've never heard that. That's brilliant. I might, I'm going to start. I'm going to start making that like a wee anecdote. And you know, if somebody ever asks you, do you know any good jokes? I'm going to, I'm definitely going to steal that one. Yeah, or, or even if if someone asks you, oh, like where are you going on your holidays this year or something? <laughs> you'll be all Ham will do me, and everyone's like, where's that? Well, I've never heard of that. <laughs> Sounds really exotic, but no, it's not. Oh man, I can't wait to use that on my English colleagues. That'll be definitely be doing that sometime in the future. But before, again, I actually moving back on to more industry stuff. We, you know, I love to just we curveball fun question for a bit. But I kind of want to talk about F bomb a bit as well before just going on to the play because I know Lindsay and Sally said you're founding members. I know Rachel, you've been involved for what, a long time with F bomb, and I'm assuming Kirsten, you're the same. Sorry if you are a founding member, and I've just not registered <laughs> that. By the way, don't just take my word as gospel. But I, I wondered. We can start with you, Kirsten, actually. But like, what sort of F bomb means to you all, and like a bit about like what the company stands for, like what you hope to achieve with it more generally as well as just this year's brilliant friend show I'm sure yeah so myself Lindsay and Sally we were all founding members in university and then Rachel was well I'll let Rachel kind of do her part but then we kind of collaborated together because we were both in university at the same time so we studied myself Lindsay and Sally studied acting for stage and screen at Queen Margaret and Napier and that was part of our you know degree to create this company but I feel like because you know we've touched on the kind of progress of where it's came from from last year to this year I think it's kind of given us more of a drive and more of a vision to just kind of know that this can be more than just the fringe you know because Mm -hmm. and I think a a huge part of of that for me this year something that we did that we've obviously never never done before was like even things we, we did for International Women's Day you know like having that platform to to celebrate things that we all want to celebrate but sometimes don't really know how to you know so I think having you know there's there's people that that speak to us about f-bomb and we're we're speaking about the fringe and we're speaking about us as actors and as playwrights and as creatives but I think even like just f-bomb triggers conversation for us you know it gets us into conversations but it makes people like yourself you know meets so many so many creatives in this industry and we were starved of that for so long you know and now it's it's coming at us all at the one time and it's it's so good obviously it feels overwhelming a wee bit sometimes because you're like ah, I want to go to this I want to go to that and I've also got a show to put on and I've got a full script to learn but there's there's also like there are so many positives to F-bomb that I probably couldn't even start and that when we're talking about oh we're feeling a bit nervous we're feeling a bit stressed with it all it really it sounds so cringe but it is all worth it you know because this is the creating our own work and getting to perform it like with a platform like we're working with Gilded Bloom this year is just never never did I think that was going about what, what we were doing in 2022 you know when we started in 2020 so it's yeah for me it's it's more than just what we're talking about on this podcast it, it goes much further than that 
That's brilliant. That's lovely to hear. Rachel, how about yourself? What do, I mean, I know you kind of, again, I keep bringing up last year's interview, but like just, no, it's a long time ago. No one's, just repeat yourself if you need to. I could probably ask you this question before. Like what sort of, you talk a bit about FBOM and yourself and like what sort of it means to you and like having been involved with it for a while and collaborating with it and stuff. Yeah, basically I was brought on last year or the year before even um, to do Art Party and then they just couldn't get rid of me. <laughs> <laughs> it's been amazing. I think for me, the best part is being part of a community where women are in solidarity and always supporting each other. And I feel like because I am always like running the socials and on Twitter and stuff, like the outpouring of support from other women in the industry, creatives, like people in theatre has just been so special. And yeah, like I think we had always hoped that that would be the case but just to see it happening I don't know it's it's really nice yeah but I mean you're you mean you'd also obviously got that social media experience as well and like the way you market I mean I, I said this to you last time Matt, but you know we just see through the social media just like that's so, I wish my mind could be like on that level because you are so good at like marketing like the stuff you do and I know you did it for a bit in London professionally and stuff right but like back in the day but like you know, what you do with Ebom is like really fun and like it must be an enjoyable thing to do yeah it is um I still do marketing professionally but this is like yeah well yeah of course you're doing that you've been like doing various jobs I've seen on the on the gram and stuff but yeah apologies for mincing that one (laughs) (laughs) no of course no it's it's great because like not always when you're in a marketing profession you get to market things that you actually care about so it just comes really naturally with this one so I really enjoy it. And Lindsay, see, I'm leaving Sally last as, as, as promised. Do you want to sort of talk about what FBOM means to you as a founded member? I think I just, I love the fact that I get to make theatre that's important with people that I like to spend time with. If you know what I mean? Like the FBOM girls are so special to me, but if you're in FBOM and you're listening, no, <laughs> just kidding. I think it's just so lovely to actually go into a rehearsal room with people that you love and respect and get to make something that you're all so proud of and that people enjoy. Because after party, everybody that saw it, and they were probably just biased because they were my friends and family, but said that it was such an amazing thing to see because it is quite rare that you see five female actors, a female director, a female writer, and for it to be so well-received. And I think just, I don't know if it's just the feminism in me, but it just, it really rallies the spirit for me. So yeah, I think just spending time with my friends and doing something that's important is why I love it so much. But I mean, I don't, I don't think that like, it's just because you, you know, had friends and family come to see it like last year, the friends, like I was in the crowd for one of the shows and like it was sold out and it was like a very positive reaction. And like, I think. It was also just lovely to see everyone on stage and like see everyone as a team just enjoying themselves. That's always a lovely feeling when you go and see a show as well, just to see how much it means to the people involved. So I think that very much clearly radiates from FBOM as well, which is probably another reason that like you guys have done so well for your shows as well as the all the talent that comes from that as well. But Sally, do you want to go la- see last but not least, of course? How about yourself? Yeah, I think obviously we have sort of, we all have such a great working relationship, but also the feeling of, community that started to sort of happen around FBOM as well has been really lovely and I think women can get a sort of be 
unfairly stereotyped as maybe catty or bitchy especially in a working environment and I just think that us and other women especially sort of around the fringe like we are totally proving that wrong and even so the other day basically for the last couple sort of weeks on Twitter there's been not going to name any names but basically there has been a sort of individual or theatre company yeah, I saw, I saw has, this I saw this tweet. yeah I, saw, I know yeah yeah, yeah. yeah, so basically they, <laughs> they have made claims that the fringe is becoming far too female heavy. There's too many theatre companies run by women. Women are getting too much funding and all this kind of stuff. And what was great about it is basically this individual sort of kept on putting this hashtag at the end of their tweets as hashtag Femi Fringe. And he was sort of, I say he, I, I, it was a sort of theatre company, but they basically were using this hashtag as a negative. So then what Rachel did with her amazing marketing brain is she basically made a calendar of lots of various sort of female-led theatre that's happening throughout the Fringe. And, you know, it was a list of sort of what you can see during the Fringe and supporting female-led theatre. And she used the same hashtag that this person was using as a negative turned it into a positive yeah basically stole it but it was amazing because lots of other female-led theatre companies and theatre makers and things like that really rallied around this sort of hashtag and it almost became like a micro trend of everybody sort of jumping on this hashtag celebrating female-led theatre supporting each other's work promoting their work and stuff and it was just so lovely so obviously we have such a great relationship within the company but it's great to sort of see the community that can build from you know doing something like hashtag Femi Fringe and stuff like that and I think again that's why Rachel's marketing is so good but it's not just about the marketing it's about sort of really supporting other women and female-led theatre and non-binary theatre and things like that and making sure that yeah we've all got a voice and it's a great community to be in that's really nice that's really inspiring as well and I wouldn't say that's stealing at all Rachel you know you're just like very clever marketing and you know gotta, gotta use reappropriating it. yeah <laughs> why not why not Hello, it's Jamie here. You may have heard this advert several times before, but if not, this is basically just me taking a minute to remind you guys that if you're enjoying the podcast, there are a number of things you can do to help us keep growing. Now, as many of you might be aware, the podcasting landscape is incredibly saturated. And I mean, there's lots of podcasts. We all love podcasts. But it's very difficult for independent podcasts like us to sometimes break through and to be noticed. So doing things like sharing us on social media, word of mouth, and just telling friends and family to listen, or even leaving us a little five-star review on places like Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts go so far in helping us to keep growing. Me and Elliot adore this podcast. We love making this podcast. So if you're able to help in any way by doing something like that, we'd be incredibly grateful, not just for our podcast, but if you love any independent podcasts, please try and give them a wee share or give them a review because it it goes so far. Another thing you can do if you enjoy the podcast as well, and we appreciate that this is a very difficult time, but if you're enjoying this podcast and you want to help us, you can donate as little or as much as you like to our Patreon page, and you can do that by going to patreon.com slash justgetarealjob, or you can click the link in the show notes. Anything you can afford, we are very grateful for. Thank you for your continued support, and I hope you enjoy the rest of today's episode. 
but I thought we could talk about the show now. So I thought I'd start, obviously, Rachel, as you're the writer, if you if you sort of want to talk a bit about like what the show's about, and, like what you're sort of trying to say with the show, and then maybe I can go around the cast and sort of ask them a bit about their character they're playing. And like, I'm going to be a bit cheeky. I'm going to ask you to give me one reason why people should come see the show, but it has to be different. So you're not, you know, there you go. You have to come up with one reason each. If, if that's okay, obviously, don't worry. You can repeat if need be. But Rachel, just to, do you want to first start off by telling people about the show and like, what it means to you as the writer and stuff and what sort of idea behind it was. Yeah, the idea behind it is is kind of a long story. I started conceiving the idea last year when there was a lot of talk about women's safety going on. And then we went to the Fringe and I saw a lot of reviews of our show that talked a lot about, I don't know, they just kept sort of dismissing the characters on the basis of that they were young girls. And that annoyed me. So... <laughs> It got me thinking about all the ways that women are dismissed and validated and told that their problems aren't real problems and things like that. And that's sort of where the title of the play came from, The Beatles Are a Boy Band, because they were like the first fan base of the Beatles. They were pretty much like despised in pop culture. And yeah, I just wanted to like have a funny title that would probably annoy some people. <laughs> but yeah, it, it came about because obviously there's such a huge conversation right now about women's safety, a conversation that doesn't really seem to be going anywhere because every time women talk about it, we're just sort of told to moderate our own behavior or something. And it's bizarre because we're not the ones that are doing anything wrong. So it's pretty hard-hitting stuff. It's stuff that I wish we didn't have to write about, to be honest. I think there's a line in the play that's like, I, I don't want to be angry all the time. We really wish that we didn't have to make this play. and But it felt like we had to. Like, there was sort of no way around it. Like, this conversation, it felt like something that we as a women's theatre company had to be talking about. I think one of the good things for me in this play though is that even though we talk about women's safety and violence against women it's done with a really high level of care and sensitivity it's also quite funny and like just comfortable in places because I don't know about everyone else but I've often been to a theatre and just like seen like really really heavy traumatising triggering stuff and that hasn't made me feel safe or good so we're contributing to conversation but we're trying not to do anything that will have a negative impact on our audience we're just trying to sort of move this conversation along and take the responsibility away from women to sort of change their own behaviour and shift the focus towards how do we actually stop violence against women yeah yeah that's Thank you. No, it's a, it's a great answer. There's like lots to unpack in that. But like, first, I also want to say that like the, the I love the title as well. I mean, it's a very, the title makes me want to know more about the show instantly as well. So I think it's like, you know, it's an, it is a cool title first and foremost. I just want to say that. But also I think, you know, it's of course really interesting to have a show that has, you know, it's necessary but difficult conversation. But I saw like one of your tweets earlier about like how you're like, it's a show that's really difficult, but it's also fun at the same time. So like, sort of, I've, I've not done that tweet justice, by the way. It was much more cleverly written than that. You know, it was, I, get, I totally get what, you're going, what you mean in the sense that like, it's obviously going to be like a really enjoyable show and fun, but at the same time, it's having a much, I mean, a really necessary and difficult conversation that will hopefully shift the audience's viewpoint yeah that sounded about right Rachel I've not like <laughs> not misread anything you said yeah. <laughs> yeah I think like we just I think I I wrote to someone earlier this week that we hope that it will 
give women an opportunity to have their voices heard and it'll also give men an opportunity to listen yeah no it's really exciting and hopefully and i also see like a trigger warning thing as well which i thought was really nice to like because a lot of people probably just don't think to do that and not in a bad way it's just but i think it's nice to also have that there just so people are aware like it is going to handle some difficult subjects so i thought that was a really nice touch as well to have on but like kirsten do you want to sort of talk about the character and the show you're playing and like and also you know a reason i mean we can do do the reasons one after actually let's just do the character stuff now because we'll get to that all a bit later on yeah Definitely. So my character's name is Heather in the show and what I like the most about all their characters and not just my own character is, well there are two things. One, the difference you see with the characters, the, the arc that we have are, you know, like not only is this the reason that we want to write our own, our Rachel's writing our own characters, you know, like it's new writing for a reason so that these characters actually have some substance to them. You can, you can actually do something as an actor with what you're given. But I think it's important because all these characters are friends. They're best friends, uh, the three the three girls and that all live in the same flat. And it's good to see how opinions and behaviours and, you know, just how people can still be friends but not have the same opinion. And there's another, I feel like we don't want to give all the lines away, but there's another line in the show and it's one of my lines that says, I don't have to support you if I disagree with you. And I think that that is something that, as a friend we've all disagreed with one of our friends you know and at one point in our lives but I think when we're having conversations like that I think it's important to remember that not all women think the same you know all the women in the audience are not going to have walk out with the same opinion of what they saw and they're not also going to have had the same experiences it's it's all very personal it's all very relevant but relevant to certain people in different ways and relevant things that we're talking about in this play are relevant to the characters in different ways so for me it's having I would say comedic acting is my forte you know like that's that's what I resonate with that's what I go to and it's probably maybe not for me to say but it's probably what I'm best at you know it's what I would be more comfortable with doing and sometimes when you know we're, we're reading this and we're sitting you know in a rehearsal room and we're, we're talking about let's be real we're talking about negative things that, has, that have happened to us as women and negative things that are happening to these characters and you know just if it's like actual maybe more triggering things or general just you know walking down the street or being in a a PE changing room or something like that but I think for me it's also having that balance of you actually are going to laugh as well as maybe feel a little bit of a lump in your throat at the same time you know we need to find that balance I'm sure the other girls will touch on finding that balance but that's a huge thing for me finding laughter within the the coping mechanism of it all yeah I'm sure that's what the best art does is it makes you laugh and and cry at the same time like you know I mean it it does both which is always lovely but I'll leave Sally last again I'm just gonna be nice I'm gonna do the whole the whole I don't need to bring it up every time I'm just being I'm being mean but Lindsay what would you want to talk about your character in the show so I'm playing a character called Daisy and she is an Instagram influencer which is something that I thought I knew a lot about until I actually had to do some research for my character and realized there's a lot more to it than I thought there was but um, she's like the definition of she's got her heart in the right place But she's very important, I think, because not all women have the right words to express how they feel. And I think there is a lot of pressure, especially as a woman, and I'm sure the girls will agree, there is a lot of pressure to never say the wrong thing and to never be wrong. Because if you're wrong, then you open yourself up to ridicule, which I find myself opened up to 
anyway. So you want to make sure that you're right in what you're saying. And in media, it's not often that a character will be wrong and will, I don't want to say stay wrong, but will not have this big moment of realisation where everything falls into place because that's just not realistic. And I think with Daisy, she is so optimistic that she can make a change. And then there's some harsh realities that she faces and I think it's a very she's very important and with all of Rachel's characters they're all so complex and so at their core so likable even the ones that you're not supposed to like and I think with Daisy even though she does some silly things and she's a bit silly and I mean if we're all talking about lines from the play one of my lines from the play is shout out to my sponsor skinny girl tees so that's who she is. But I think much like with After Party, you everyone will be able to see a bit of themselves or their pal in these characters. And that's what I love the most about Rachel's writing, as she knows. <laughs> I love how nice everyone's been about each other podcast. So it's, 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 it's lovely when people do that, you know. Everyone's just like giving the wee compliments out throughout. It's like it's nice, very supportive <laughs> environment. Thank you very much, Lindsay. Sally, do you want to talk about your character as well? I'm gonna to have to give a line now. Everyone's done it, so you're gonna to have to share one as well. I know. Well, my character is called Violet, and a line that really sort of summarizes who she is is I met the nicest girls in the club toilet. I think one of them invited me to her wedding. So she is a very outgoing party girl. She absolutely is very free-spirited and uh, will go out, make friends with anybody. And basically, she's everyone's best pal, basically. And what's interesting, as the play goes on, we see this, you know, like I was saying, a very fun-loving party girl. We see how the outside world begins to sort of creep in on this sort of very girly flat that all three characters sort of live together. And we see how the effect of you know things in the news and male violence and how what happens to women when they no longer feel safe on the streets and in particular with Violet I think whilst all the characters everybody goes on a journey and there's like a very sort of strong arc to all of them Violet definitely sort of changes and evolves throughout the play to sort of be quite a different version of what we see in the first sort of scene where she sort of comes home from a night out and she's eating McDonald's and things like that so yeah definitely she's a very fun character to play and I think that it's great to show you've got you know a sort of event happens at the start of the play that affects all three characters and it's just really interesting to see the reaction of the three different characters and how that affects them and what they sort of do to process what happens throughout the play. Oh that's really exciting thank you for all sort of sharing your characters. Rachel since everyone's given a line I feel like you're gonna have to give one of your favourite lines from the play now as the writer I mean you can pick anyone though you don't Sorry, I'm not going to make you give one for each character because that would be a bit mean, but just just if you have one on the top of your head. One of my favourite lines is just, I support women's wrongs. There you go. Thank you for sharing the line. Because, as I said, I'm off script a little bit. I'm sort of making up this interview as I go along and it's, it's been so easy because you're all, very, you know, so much to say. But I thought before I ask you to all sort of give a reason, we could do that one at the end, like, because, and obviously people don't need a reason really because you know, she's going to the show anyway, but and there's links in the show notes, obviously. It's all plugged underneath. But I thought, like, obviously the podcast is called Just Get A Real Job. We'd all worked jobs we didn't like or part-time jobs we didn't like. But I'm going to sort of ask you all, like, the worst part-time job or quote real job you'd ever had to work in your life so far. I mean, I've again, Rachel, I've asked this before but like maybe it could have changed in the last year who knows and you could just repeat so do you want to start us off Rachel if you can remember I don't even I didn't listen that far into the last episode so I literally don't remember what I said <laughs> for my worst job 
But I will say that when I worked in a call center, that sucked. And be nice to people on the phone, please. Because they're just Australians trying to like make rent living in London. Unless they're scammers. Don't be nice to them. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. First, is there a job you'd worked in your life that you maybe hated or was quite funny so far as a creative? Um, I think mine and Sally's might be semi-similar, but I'm not going to I'm not going to answer for her but I just think working for four years in the hospitality industry you then start to become a different version of yourself that you actually want to like not look at anymore and you're you're I feel like as a so I used to work in a steakhouse right which this literally just shows you the type of like how far this degree has got me so I worked in a steakhouse and I'm an actor and used to, and I'm vegetarian. So used oh, to man. pretend to people to, like, I used to pretend to people that I recommended, like, this certain steak. And then people were like, is that not against, like, all vegetarian rights? And I was like, yeah, but I'm also an actor, so it's fine. Like, I'm actually practicing on the job. <laughs> so, I love it. Aye, that was, but yeah, I don't think I'll be going back to hospitality anytime soon. <laughs> Turning a negative into a positive, but there you go. Like you may, you know, that's what a lot of our guests always say. That's like they try to find something from the job that they hated and make it part of their craft, which you've done excellently when you worked in that place. So there, there you go. Uh, Lindsay, do you have like a, any fun jobs that, or funny jobs over the years that you would had to work? I've had many jobs and not many of them have been good, but I think, the two worst ones one was when I worked at McDonald's I was like 16 and they didn't want me to go to school <laughs> they were kept trying to like put me in for a shift and I was like I'll be in modern studies like I can't be there I'm really sorry and I also worked as a program seller at the Hibs Stadium oh, man. just not just genuinely just not good <laughs> Yeah, fair. I mean, I can't, I've never done a job like that, but I can imagine that would not always be fun. Did you manage to find any positives about being an actor in there or was it a bit of a struggle? I had to pretend to be really, really into football. And people go. would come up to me and be like, oh, what do you think of this signing decision? And I'd be like, try to figure out what they thought of it. And I'd be like, <laughs> oh, yeah, what you think is what I think too. Yeah, for sure. So I learned a lot about football, actually. So if I ever do a play that has football themes, it'll be helpful for that. There you go. Rachel, you don't go. get a single idea. <laughs> <laughs> Sally, any any jobs as well for yourself that you'd had the pleasure yeah. of working over the years? Yeah, I mean, I worked from when I was like 16 right up until pretty recently as a waitress. So I was a waitress for the best part of eight or nine years. And to be honest, listen, I I enjoyed waitressing. I didn't mind waitressing at all. And whilst like sometimes it's it's a it's a tough job waitressing. It's not for the faint-hearted, but definitely I think like I suppose like a a bad waitressing moment was I'd worked at the same company for about five years, and I was like, okay, I should probably just like work somewhere else, bit of a change, bit of like a fresh start somewhere. Well, let's go work somewhere else. I went to work for this sort of finer dining kind of company and the company I was working for prior to that was a very relaxed casual dining burger restaurant and you could like speak to customers with like a chicken wing hanging out your mouth it was very very casual and basically went to this fine dining place and they had us all like polishing plates for like four hours on end and like my hand was cramping up and literally it was just like the worst like had you sort of like I say polishing plates polishing cutlery everything like that you were like scrubbing everything out which is important but I was like oh this is not 
for me and the manager told me I was trying to have banter with a customer and the manager was like Sally this is a kind of more of a seen and not heard style of service and I was like oh this isn't for me mate I'm so sorry and literally I had to phone up the company that I was working for before I phoned up my old manager and luckily we were mates and I was like listen I said have you terminated my contract yet and he was like no I've not how come and I went this job is awful please can I come back and this was on like the Friday and he was like yeah just start back on Monday if you want and I was like amazing so I literally worked at this other place for three days and went walked back into my old job so it was it, it worked out okay in the end but yeah definitely loved being a waitress but fine dining was not for me at all um, yeah I'm sorry you had to go through some of those ordeals I might have the, the, the stories in this podcast just horrible jobs it's just it's actually insane and we've done a lot of episodes in it and there's, there's been some horror stories but it's always fun when people share them I think it makes people listen feel better because you know we have all had to work jobs like that, especially as creatives that you know maybe didn't always want to work them or are still trying to figure out our careers out etc but sort of normally on the podcast I ask everyone to sort of share their advice for people but I thought because you're going to the fringe next month and because it's like sort of that time of year I was going to ask you all uh, what your advice would be to somebody who maybe isn't taking a show to the fringe this year but maybe would want to take one next year so if you could all sort of just give me like a little bit of advice that they might want to hear what would it sort of be so we can start with you this time if you want Kirsten so I'd say if you're taking a show to August 2023 I would say start planning in August 2022 because oh my geez like I can't even explain to you I think we had like a part a point at the start of the year where we were we were a bit like I can't believe how like behind we felt in it all and I, I feel like you'll always feel like you're behind even if you're not behind like there's no point of comparing yourself to other people as well because no one's got the same show as you at the end of the day like no one's got the same rehearsal schedules etc but I just I don't think that there's ever a feeling of being prepared like you're never I never feel prepared enough to to be going on stage I don't get me wrong I don't want to go on stage tomorrow but even probably the day before I'm going on stage I would be like ah, I don't know if I'm like is this have we done everything so I but I would also say maybe don't be so hard on yourself oh that's that not like a Jess Glenn song is that is that I think it is eh aye so just <laughs> so I just be prepared but not over prepared yeah Fair enough. Thank you for sharing that advice. How about you, Lindsay? What would your advice be to somebody taking a, a show to the French next year? I think the main thing I would say, because I've been I've been very fortunate and I've done the fringe very many times. I've done the fringe every year apart from 2020 since about 2015. And the one thing that I always make sure to remind myself of is that it's such a privilege to get to be in the fringe that when everything is so stressful and it feels like you're never going to be ready and you still have to do this and there's this and there's so many things that need to be tied up like at the end of the day just never forget that you're getting to be a part of one of the biggest arts festivals in the world and the audiences that come to the fringe are so lovely because they've come to be at the fringe it's not like people that are going to the theatre in their local city it's like it's a big deal and it's such a fantastic opportunity to meet other creatives to see new work like I mean Six the musical that premiered at the Fringe and now that's doing the rounds on Broadway and you never know what will come from the Fringe so just enjoy it and take it in and recognise that it's a massive achievement to even sell one ticket even if it's your mum do you know what I mean like that's still a ticket sold in the Fringe yeah. yeah no thank you for that answer very much appreciate it how about you Rachel what would you what would you advise to somebody taking a, a show to the fringe of 23 especially without your marketing skills behind them my first advice would be like start writing the script <laughs> <laughs> 
Because, like, we had a very compressed timeline this year compared to After Party. So, like, the script is basically just finished. <laughs> Luckily, everyone remembers their lines very well and it's fine. But, yeah, so I would say be as prepared as possible. And also, like, don't be afraid to, like, go out on a limb and reach out to people and, like, shoot your shot, I guess. Yeah, we never thought that Gilda Bloom would ever give us a 250-seat venue. So, and we never thought that, you know, Creative Scotland would would give us money to to be able to make this happen. But we just did it and they have done so. So, yeah, I guess just be assured of yourself and don't shy away from any opportunity. Amazing. Thank you very much for your answers. All right, Joel. And Sally, what would your advice be to somebody taking a show to the Fringe 2023? My advice would be there's, if you don't have money behind you I would advise not putting lots of your own money or if avoid putting any of your own money into it there's absolutely no shame in doing the free fringe Mm -hmm. if you sort of don't get have funding behind you or anything like that so definitely sort of registration fees you know venue higher costs you know technicians there can be hidden costs as well I'm not saying that's not happened in our case but I have heard sort of from other people there you can sort of make sure you're if you are going with a certain venue or anything like that read your contract with an absolute fine tooth comb make sure there's no hidden costs things like that so financially just be like very careful and it's really expensive to do the fringe which is a shame I think it should be much more accessible for people that are starting out and it is a shame that it is so expensive so there's absolutely no shame in doing the free fringe at all and as well like if you are wanting to do the fringe in 2023 and you haven't sort of been in anything in the fringe before I would actually recommend in a similar case to Lindsay I've done the fringe since 2013 and I don't think I would have, have felt prepared to sort of, you know, go on to sort of co-found F-bomb and like produce sort of shows in the fringe if I hadn't been in fringe shows myself. So I'm just talking about, you know, do sign up for some Amdram theatre, like or even profit share work if you can. It might be too late for that for this year. Or even a lot of venues are looking for front of house staff, or if you're sort of more sort of backstage, like let's see, you know reach out to people see if they're looking for any people to shadow for like stage management or technical theater anything like that because I think the fringe is a different beast to any other arts festival it's a different beast to sort of even if you've worked front of house at like a you know a regular theater the fringe is its own kind of thing and you really before sort of taking a show of your own to the fringe you need to sort of really have a good grasp of how it works and how it operates how quick it is how fast paced it is how expensive it is as I've mentioned before so I would definitely recommend like whether it's a front of house job or shadowing or anything like that get out there and sort of work in amongst the fringe and sort of try to sort of find your feet of how it all works yeah thank you thank you all for I mean all very detailed answers it's great like we haven't really had this on the podcast before from a group of people that have all quite maybe a bit of experience at the fringe so I think it's great just for our listeners to get that insight 100% I know we've been speaking for over an hour, so I've just got to obviously one more question for you each before we sort of wrap things up. But thank you, obviously, for coming on the podcast. It's been great to have you all. It's been so much fun to do this sort of a group. You know, it's, it's just the different energy. It's been fun. I've babbled a lot and that's okay. We're just going to go with it. But like just to close off, I thought I was going to ask you all like a sort of different reason why people should come and see the Beatles or a boy band. And I'm going to also throw in because I, I did read obviously that there's One Direction and lots of Twilight sound stuff on the soundtrack. So I'm going to also ask you all for like your favourite boy band as well. So just chuck that in at the end of your 
your answer. Be a, a, for, just for a bit of fun. So Rachel, as the writer of the show, why why should people come and see? Well, I would like not to be broke at the end of this, but <laughs> <laughs> a good enough reason on its own. Yes. No, it's gonna be really fun and also really touching. So I feel like having those two elements is a good enough reason to come see it. Yes, there is going to be really fun music in it as well. I think my oh my favorite boy band, and I've actually seen them in concert, is Take That. <laughs> good answer. It's a good answer. It can be yeah. a bit of Take That. But Great. when I saw them, there was only three left. <laughs> yeah, and very quickly, obviously, Rich, because it's the last question. I obviously, just want to congratulate as well for being shortlisted for the BBC Scotland's Voice stuff. That's amazing. It was great to see. There's quite a few former guests on that list of people I know, so it's a, it's a great list, and it was lovely to see amongst that. Thank you so much. Yeah, well done. And Kirsten, why should we all come and see the show? And what's your favorite boy band? I think you should come see the show because we were indoors for two years, right? Come on, this is what we were. How many times were we all sitting in twenty twenty? We were like, oh my god, I would just love to be like back in theatre and last year we were kind of there kind of not oh my god are we going to be sitting in bubbles are we going to be sitting with somebody's grand that I might kill you know like you, you don't know what <laughs> you don't know what you're going to like this was where we wanted to get to and that's where we are now so I'm like take advantage get back out there and just go and spend £11 on a pint right just get over it like get the double vodka you just need to live life my favourite boy band right so I'm I'm going to give two because I need two, yeah, right? Because I can't not it. give two. And they are literally different sides of the entire spectrum. So my favourite boy band in the whole entire world <laughs> is Fallout Boy. I literally went to Dublin to go see them on the Hella Mega Tour. I went to the Glasgow gig. I... They are my favourite, favourite band in the whole world. But I also, I'm going to, like, I, I also love Westlife more than words can say as well. And it's like, they're so contrasting, but I feel like you need to have that. So I'm saying Fall Out Boy and Westlife. And I don't feel like anyone's going to take Fall Out Boy off me as Sally and Lindsay. So I think I'm going to be okay. There you go. Thank you very much for that answer. Lindsay, we'll keep Sally last even for the last question. Don't worry. Lindsay, why should people come and see the show and your favourite boy band? I think people should come and see the show because it's pretty good. <laughs> I think it's really important for people to see it. And I'm not just saying that because I, I, I want to sell tickets, but I just genuinely think reading the script for the first time, I was like, yeah, this is something that people need to see, especially people that would benefit from seeing a woman's perspective on the subject. It's also really funny. And the girls are fabulous. And Rachel's writing is fantastic. And Amy, our director, She's fantastic. It's just it's just gonna be great. And also Gilded Balloon is pink and F bomb's pretty pink. So it's just Amazing. it's all wrapped up quite nicely. Yeah. And um, as per my favorite boy band, I will also give two. Kirsten, I will give you Fallout Boy. You can have them, fine. But my favorite boy band, the first band I ever saw live ever when I was seven, loves of my life always, McFly, always. Amazing. However, one direction. <laughs> That's all I'll say. I am a Harry Styles girl. That's who I am. It's just who I am. <laughs> oh man, that new album. What about Philip Bot? We could yeah. be here for another hour speaking about that. Oh no, like... we better not bring it up. I would just say. Uh... <laughs> I go into bed too much. Uh, Sally, thank you for being last for the interview as well. I appreciate it. Why should we all come and see the show? And what's your favourite boy band to round off the interview? So 
I really think with the show, there's something in there for absolutely everybody. Our sort of technician for this year's show and also our sort of sound designer were in watching the show this week and they're both men and watched it and they absolutely loved it. So whilst our sort of slogan is theatre made by women for women, sort of the guys watching it, were they were laughing, they were enjoying it. And also at the end, they were like, oh, there was moments where it actually really made me think about, you know, there's, there's lots to sort of sink your teeth into there and lots of think about but it's not all whilst we're dealing with serious issues there's a lot of humor in it for people as well so you'll still have a really enjoyable sort of fringe experience and stuff so definitely there's something in there for everybody and my favorite boy band I've seen them live 11 to 13 times or something like that I've actually lost count but I've seen McFly live like 11 or 13 times they're just so good again just like I feel feel like I was like five or something five or six when I first saw them and it's been a very very part of my formative years what can I say yeah my answer would have been McFly as well actually just uh, so this is quite a common common one on this <laughs> but everyone thank you so much for your time today it's been great to have FBOM on the podcast like this and you're all being really honest and insightful with your answers so it's been lovely so thank you all I realize I've never actually asked you to plug the exact time and date of the show although there is a link below does somebody want to quickly do that before we wrap up whoever <laughs> Kirsten's taking one for the team yeah so the Beatles were a boy band is performing at the Fringe on Saturday the 6th of August that's when it opens and it closes on Saturday the 13th and we are on at Gilded Balloon Patterhouse at 8pm so oh, yeah. we hope to see everyone there a very good time slot as well perfect stuff right, well everyone listening you know what to do there's a link in the show notes get tickets but thank you very much everyone for your time it's been great well, there you go. That was my conversation with the team at F-Bomb Theatre. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. It was a very fun one to record. Be sure to get tickets and go and see their friend show, The Beatles or a Boy Band. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. It sounds like a great play. I can't wait to see it myself. Again, just one last reminder, there's a link in the show notes, so be sure to get tickets. There's also a link to our live friend show as well, so be sure to click on that. And as always, if you're enjoying the podcast, be sure to spread the word, tell friends and family to listen, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, all the usual stuff I say every week that you're probably sick of me banging on about. But anyway, as always, I hope you have a lovely week. We'll be back in next Tuesday for another episode of Just Get A Real Job. And if you can't wait till then and you're new to the podcast, this is episode 85 we've got a brilliant back catalogue with some brilliant conversations so lots to be enjoyed anyway have a good one folks just get a real job